Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. He's back. I'm back. Ryan, how the heck have you been? Uh, I have three kids now. <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> That's kind of an answer in and of itself, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, we haven't actually, you know, spoken uh, outside of uh, just texting and, and whatnot, but, but spoken o- over the... I want to say the phone, but like voice chatted. Anyways, um, yeah, so we haven't we had ca- a good voice chat. <laughs> yeah, we have. We had, we did, we were catching up, and then you were, you were saying like, oh, you know, if we want to record another night, we can. It's like I already popped a coffee because I figured we'd go late. So <laughs> tomorrow popped might a be a coffee. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, it's happening. But uh, you know, I am back, and it's funny because only folks who listen to the the Patreon mini are gonna know this, but. Uh, the Monday before, so Isabel, we've already, it's already been announced here in the non-discord, but Isabel joined the family on March 31st and on March 30th, I recorded a, a TGI Patreon mini and I talked about how due dates don't really make it, you know, they're just not an exact science. No one's ever born on their due date. And, uh, I, I later found out about four hours later that about 5% of babies are born on their due date. <laughs> Uh, so your doctor nailed it or ashley had had enough one way or the other i i think it's probably it was a little bit of both ashley was ready and i i rolled over it was like one in the morning and ashley woke me up and it's like all right it's time to go to the hospital i'm like oh all right i'm like literally hopping out of bed (laughs) like you've got the big hardship (laughs) i know i know and i'm and here's the thing like i'm trying to and you know i'll obviously go into uh i'll tell like a the whole story. The full story. The full story on Dungeons and Diapers uh, when we record it later on, um, but I'll, I'll certainly give the you know the the facts. I guess the quick and dirty. The quick and <laughs> see, I'm trying well, to maybe, avoid. Maybe don't tell the dirty. Just I'm tell trying the quick. to avoid like the you know the dirty, the details, those sort of things because a this is a video game podcast and 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 b I have a whole other show, so I don't want to like usurp Crofton's uh, content there. But um, I think that it was just wild that. I had put myself in that position of like, oh, it's not going to happen. You know, it was my last day of work. I've got a couple days where I can just chill with the kids and have have a good relaxing time before this baby comes. And uh, but you know, Ashley was was feeling it, so uh, I said, okay, well, I'll collect my things and get everything sorted, so I'm ready in a couple days when we go. But sure enough, it was like we were. It was essentially I rolled over at one. She'd woke me up. I'm like getting up and I'm trying to like make sure I've I've. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm supportive, the supportive husband, because you're right. It's what do I got to do? Just literally like stand there and <laughs> don't help. freak out. <laughs> yeah, don't freak out. So I'm like out of bed. But sometimes when you when I wake up in the middle of the night, like forcefully, um, all, there's that shock. So I'm just like getting everything ready and trying my best to, to keep a, my game face on. But I'm just like literally shaking <laughs> the, <laughs> the whole time. And I was fine. But I, I, the whole time, I'm just trying to keep it. It's like, OK, it'll, it'll be over soon. It'll you know, the shakes will subside. And then uh, Ashley's like, are you okay? Like, no, no, I'm fine. Let's I'm supposed to ask you that. <laughs> exactly. Like, what are you doing? Don't make me feel bad about this. Like, you're the one that's, that's giving birth. Don't ask me if I'm fine. Just give me like a couple minutes to kind of like, you know, shake this off and we'll be fine. And, uh, you know, we got to the hospital around maybe two in the morning. And as and everybody knows we're we're in a global pandemic so you walk into the emergency room and there's no one there but like doctors and full-on scrubs you're like okay this is this is interesting and uh sure enough like an hour later uh isabel was born so 
it was not one of those like yeah Jesus movie <laughs> i know it was not one of those movie uh movie births where it's like 16 hours of labor it was literally we were in in and out <laughs> in, and and literally we were we were discharged four hours later like i i had a, a solid two-hour nap on the worst couch ever uh while, while the baby was trying to get some z's as well and we were we were out the door and i was home for lunch the next day that's uh, crazy so i w- we weren't even in the hospital for for 12 hours we were Yeah, when you texted me and told me the time the baby was born and that you were like on your way home, it was literally like 9 a.m. I thought it was you meant that she was born through the night like the day before and it was like 24 plus a few hours. Like, no, literally like last night, like eight hours ago, Mm -hmm. baby. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) It was, uh, you know, and and all kudos to, uh, to, to Ashley in terms of being just amazing strong and able to get in get out and she wanted to go home too uh, i cannot imagine what it would be like being a first-time mom during this this, this mm. pandemic and having to deal with and and all of the rules have changed since isabel was born in the sense that um i wouldn't have been allowed in the room to yeah to, you know with with ashley so i'm thankful that uh that it happened when it happened and we were able to get in get out and uh and isabel's doing great everyone's help happy healthy um you know uh, so it's it's working out and just getting back into the into the groove of things now starting podcasts back up and and uh, it's nice to have a, a an adult conversation about video games because um uh you know my kids don't understand the nuances of of doom, doom eternal, eternal. <laughs> um and i you know i did and i'm not even joking here like i did play the soundtrack for them and uh, they they were little metalheads at the time, and um, uh, promptly had to shut it off. I got some some weird looks, but uh, the kids they like rock music now, I guess. So we'll see. But no, I, I have not been talking to them about the the inner workings of tearing demons apart. I got as close to like showing them snippets from the from the soundtrack, not showing like letting them listen to it. But yeah, it's nice to be back for sure. All right, well, then tell me a little bit about Doom Eternal, because last week when uh, Bo was on, he gave kind of an in-depth look at Doom Eternal, because apparently he's played it through a (laughs) bazillion times. So (laughs) are you having the same sort of like feelings of progression and getting better at the game that might make you want to play through it more than once that he has? Uh, Yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm I'm probably like over the next couple of weeks, I'm probably going to have video games to talk about. And I want to get this get out of get this out of the way early in that like most of these experiences are from before Isabel was born and then like little drips and drabs while Isabel was was here. So uh, like a couple of hours every other night or so. But Doom Eternal, I don't think I'm glad I got through it. I don't think I'm going to be able to play it again in the sense that I don't I only have time for probably new experiences at this point. And when I heard Bo had played it eight times, I'm just like, how? <laughs> How? how and when and what yeah <laughs> and you know looking down the list uh, you know uh final fantasy 7 remake i got it two days earlier and i got a message from your husband matt saying he had he had finished it and yeah, i'm like he finished through the second it area. sunday night yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean i'm not surprised by that but i'm almost like you know I've, I've come to accept these things so when we when we talk over the next few episodes we're like man ryan's really he's got some games he's playing it's like no by the time like May hits, we're gonna be we're gonna be hitting uh, a point of like I haven't had time to play anything but just mine for rocks and Animal Crossing and chop some trees down. Uh, but uh, with Doom Eternal, 
I I I think I played most of I got really close to the end before Isabel was born and uh you know Bo did a fantastic job at summing up and I want to thank both Bo and Josh for coming on and deep diving on Animal Crossing and Doom because I'm nowhere near uh, as invested as they were in those two games. Um but with Doom Eternal I I really think that a lot of the mainstream, you know, uh, media and journals, game journalists have not really been too keen on it. And I, and I understand why, like I get it, you know, it's very much the first game and they just ratchet everything up, you know, mm. um, to the point where I think people really enjoyed when you think of doom, you don't really think of story and lore. There's enough there to get the manual printed, but that's about it. Uh, but when doom 2016 came out, people really liked the fact that they, they still kept that Doom feel, but they added, you know, story in behind the game in the sense that you you could experience it sort of in a passive way, uh, where if, if you wanted to dig deep, you had it, and there was just enough there to service what was going on. But in Doom Eternal, they've really taken that and they've just, they've ratcheted it up. They've put cutscenes in. There's more, you know, uh, you know, codex to find and a bunch of story and lore. And it's all, it's all like insanely stupid and doesn't make any sense it's like comic book I feel stuff that's, like that's on brand though it's very much as and someone who hasn't played it right but like people keep sending me screenshots of the unicorn armor and i'm like okay this might be the only game that unicorn <laughs> armor is not enough to get me to go play it <laughs> well and that's the thing is uh I think it seems right. like wild and wacky seems like on brand. It's and certainly crazy. on brand, but I think where people were frustrated with that is that it's, it's, it's on brand. Yes, but it almost, it's too silly, right? Mm. The lore is, is at a point where it's like, there are demons and there are angels, but the angels are also bad. The demons are also bad. Like you're this human that was transported to these angel world and you were like brought up in their world and you're the same doom slayer. Like supernatural. <laughs> and, and very much has that like supernatural vibe, very just over the top angels and demons, that sort of thing. And I can sort of see where people looked at that and thought like, that's not what I wanted more of. I wanted more of the, the gunplay, the ripping, the tearing, the blah, de, blah, de, blah. That's all there as well. And I don't think they, they, you know, water that down in any way. I think they find a way to ratchet up the action without watering it down. If that makes sense. Like you're still moving incredibly fast from, you know, enemy to enemy and you still get that feeling of, of, being in control and and having absolute power over these these demons but really like one false move and it can all you know can all start to fall apart as well so it it felt very much like the original doom 2016 from a combat perspective and from an exploration perspective uh without kind of you know ruining the experience in in my opinion like all the arenas were really cool there were they were a little bit bigger you know you were you were having to use more traversal um you know, you were jumping and, and uh, they would have these poles that you could kind of swing off of as well. So there's a, a lot more traversal in the combat, um, a lot more sort of uh, encouragement of switching weapons and, and all that fun stuff. So I really liked that. And I, and I felt like that should have been enough for people to, to, you know, look at the sequel and think, oh, man, this is amazing. But it has kind of gotten some some weird looks from people who absolutely loved Doom 2016. Um I don't really see it. I, I, for me, it, it just felt like a proper sequel 
you know how how sequels work to well-received games they look at what worked they iterate and you know they try to add a little bit more and i think what they wanted to add more of was the story and lore and a lot of people were thrown thrown back by that because it is incredibly silly and could feel to some folks like they're poking too much fun at what's going on screen right okay yeah it's it's a it, you know doom 2016 just balanced it so well from a story perspective and and surfacing the jokes quote unquote but in this one you know there's there's literally like when you shoot one of the demon's head it makes a literal popping sound so like in the sense that like oh that works because i i know from that audio cue that i got a headshot but other people are like oh man it's just so silly it's like i see both both sides of the coin uh with that conversation right so but it doesn't ruin the experience in, in my opinion it still feels really awesome to run through that game well that's good i'm i'm glad that you uh that you had some time with it and that you were able to uh get as far as you did before <laughs> uh before things changed um but yeah i mean i'm still probably not gonna check it out but i'm glad that you guys are are, you know getting a lot out of it and that you are enjoying your time in doom um but animal crossing 2 is another one that obviously we did the deep dive the week after you went off so what are what are your thoughts now that you've had a little bit more time with the game because i know i've I just did my big turnip cell that made me over a million bells. So that was exciting. Um, but I find like I'm I'm kind of at the point now where there's a lot of my friends who got it before I did who are way far ahead and who are essentially done. Like they're done with their islands. They're done with all their upgrades. They're, you know, like running and not necessarily running out of things to do but they've reached like a point of contentment so like i'm Mm. at the point now that i'm like oh i want to go visiting and there's never anyone's island open where before it was like i would have like multiple friends i'd be able to choose from of like where what islands i wanted to go and visit and people just don't seem to be playing as much anymore and my level of enjoyment of animal crossing like is directly related to how many of my friends are playing. Like I've had my island open for hours in a row, like just having the switch like sitting next to me and like no one has shown up and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> it's like I can't even show off my island. And it's still like mine is nowhere near what most people's are because I do feel like I am way far behind in terms of what everyone else has been doing. But man, it, it, it gave me what I needed, right. which was, you know, like a list of chores in a social environment to kind of take my mind off and give me something that I felt in control of, which is something that I think is really relevant right now. But um, yeah, it's it does seem to be falling off a little bit, at least for me. What about you? I th- I, and I think this was what you were concerned about when... It totally was! Yeah. <laughs> and And this is the thing. This is where I think I'm you know, in the right here where I've, I've kind of obviously haven't had as much time to play the game and uh, I'm only put like 20 hours in. And I know people who have put like 200 hours in and in less than a month. And I I think that's to each his own really, but, but having played a lot of animal crossing games, like it's a slow burn. And if you try to treat it like anything else, you can get burned out. Uh, whether it's by just reaching a, a state of contentment, which is totally fine. You got your money's worth and you want to move on. Totally cool. But also from a standpoint of like, there's nothing to do anymore, but probably because you have skipped, not skipped because you can't really like skip anything, but I, 
I don't know. Like, it's just for me, I'm jumping in using it as a relaxation tool. Like today I was playing, I got like about an hour where, uh, you know, the kids were watching, uh, TV, shout out to Bluey and, you know, uh, <laughs> Isabel was sleeping and Ashley was sleeping. I'm like, I'm gonna go play a little, uh, animal crossing. So, you know, I could hear, you know, the TV downstairs and I could hear whether the kids were tearing each other apart. And then I could also play animal crossing. And I just went in and I think today was the first day that I actually, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set up my sort of outdoor area of my house you know put some fencing move the flowers around you know get my pool set up so it was the first time that I actually started to decorate and think about what what the outside of my house is going to look like so I'm just taking a slow approach to it the bunny thing that happened that a lot of people were complaining (laughs) about um those events are going to keep popping up that's the other thing about Animal Crossing is that those like world of warcraft you have you have events that pop up at least once a month i think the next one is earth day if uh, the developers uh, you know are able to complete it on time i think that patch is coming late april so i'm very much looking forward to continuing to poke away at the game while also enjoying uh the events that that are going to pop up and i think that's where people got frustrated with bunny day is that they were so focused on getting all their stuff done to quote unquote complete their experience that the bunny yeah. stuff was getting in the wake. I get it. You go to dig up a fossil because you want to find the T-Rex butt. It's not a T-Rex <laughs> butt. It's an egg. And I yeah. know, yes, some of you call them tails, but you know, butts just no, funnier. No, it's to say. obviously a T-Rex butt. Yeah. I mean, where do you think? Well, anyways, you get the idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I don't fault people for going about it that way. And I'm not saying you did that, but some people have. Um, but I haven't really seen a lot of people uh, complaining that they've finished the game. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it. There was a lot more complaining about the bunny stuff, but... Uh... Oh, yeah, no, like, and I'm not saying that, that people are, are complaining that they're done with the game. It's just I've noticed a drop-off in the amount that my friends are playing, which then mm-hmm. takes away some of my level of enjoyment. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And I need to remember, here's the thing, I wish there was a setting... And I know everyone wishes this, but I wish there was a setting in the game where it's just like, as soon as I log in, just automatically opt me into opening the village. I mm-hmm. shouldn't have to go to the airport because most of the time it's like, I have 20 minutes or I have an hour. Uh, I'm just going to do my rounds and then maybe I'll go to the airport. So really, I just like to be able to, you know, have a on off switch when I go to load in, like say, you know, just say like when I'm loading the game, like, you know, have an option to start in online mode and essentially, you know, grandfather my settings in where like my village is open to friends uh that sort of system that would be much nicer i mean and then have me be able to turn it off whenever i want as well without having to go talk to the lovely dodos but (laughs) that is one thing that like drives me absolutely nuts is the social features because it's really hard to use and the like people showing up at the islands and you know, everything having to pause for everybody. I'm just like, oh my God, why Nintendo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it it just seems like they were so close in that they did a bunch of work to make the Animal Crossing gameplay loop fun for all uh, with the, 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 the Nook Miles system and the sort of the mini achievements and stuff like that. Like that's really helped push me in certain directions of like, oh, I need to, even like the ability to build bridges and stuff like starting with no bridges, but still having the ability to, you know, to skip across the water and use a ladder to get up to, you know, secondary, you know, uh, areas 
that was really a cool way of having making me invest more in my in my village in my island to to build bridges and to build ramps and stuff so i really dig all that and the crafting and everything they've done there but really it's similar to pokemon in that they just keep being one step behind what everyone really wants and i think eventually you know you look at smash brothers ultimate in the sense of like, man, I really like this game, but it really would be cool if we had this character in it. It's like, well, eventually they're going to keep iterating on it where, you know, whether it's this version or the version two consoles from now, I think we'll eventually get that version of Animal (laughs) Crossing, but it's not going to be this one. Like a lot of people are saying like, I really wish I could craft multiple things. And I'm like, okay, maybe that has an opportunity of being added in a patch, but that's like still kind of borderline. Like, that's yeah, a feature they'll put in the next happen. version. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't don't hold your breath for this one. You know, also durability uh, meters for tools. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when I use a shovel and it's breaking, I could pretty much tell by looking at it where it's at. Like, oh, yeah, I go to dig up one more thing in the backyard. It's going to snap in two. So as a system in the game, it would make sense if you could get a, you know, a quick check on the durability to see where you're at. So you don't get left in the middle of nowhere with a broken shovel. Um do I think they're going to patch that in? Probably not. They might put it in the next version. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm still enjoying it. I think it's the best Animal Crossing they've made by far. Uh, but I want to see what the more events, you know, as they come down the line, hopefully they're not as intrusive as the bunny one where they're like literally taking over resource nodes. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, it's a good chill out game and, you know, the kids love, you know, to watch, watch me play it. So they'll just sit yeah. there and kind of chill with, let's do fishing. And, oh my God, there's, what was it? Like, they love the eggs. A, a, an egg would pop out of something and they'd scream bloody murder. Like, get the egg, get the egg. <laughs> okay, I'm getting the egg. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's such a fun, laid back experience. And I, I need to visit more islands because that's the one thing I haven't been doing a lot of. Um probably for good reason because i'm so far behind i go to any i went to your island and uh it was it was miles ahead of mine even though you said like oh it's nothing special but like it was still there was still a lot going on you know so uh i need to visit josh's i hear it's well from what i heard on the show Josh's is incredible (laughs) yeah from what i heard feel bad about your animal crossing life go to josh's island (laughs) (laughs) i heard he had an orchard like i listened to the show while i was off and i'm just like man this guy's got an apple orchard this person's beat doom eternal eight times i was impressed that i beat it (laughs) once uh don't even get me started off on final fantasy 7 and all the other stuff i've been playing but you know i i'm 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 happy to take my time uh, we've set up a, an Animal Crossing uh, text channel in our Discord, so people have been talking a lot about Animal Crossing, um, and I think you know moving that conversation out of general really helps people. Like, okay, I don't mind posting what my turnip price is every day because now yeah. we have a place for it. And I forgot to buy turnips on Sunday, so I was like, because that's tough. Like me being able to play before noon, like that's literally me being like, okay, Ashley, I'm going to leave you with three kids, and I'm going to go buy some turnips, <laughs> 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 which you know is not the easiest thing to do. I know, it's super tough for me too because like (laughs) I have to wake up before 12 o'clock, Ryan. I know. Like, do you know how hard that is? It's like uh, super hard. I can't remember the last time (laughs) I woke up afternoon. Uh, Maybe I was sick and I like woke up and then went back to bed, but I wouldn't count that. But yeah, I I think uh, 
and then I forgot and I, I even said it out loud. I was like, oh shoot, I forgot to buy turnips. And Ashley's like, oh, well, is it too late? <laughs> it, like, we'll get through this together. It's okay. It's like, but that's the, that's the moneymaker really. Like if you don't, if you don't play the stock market, uh, you essentially, you have to wait like a week to make any, any kind of dent, you know, because yep. now I'm at the point where my, my loans for the houses are like 600,000 bells. I can't make that by just chopping trees down and collecting fish. Uh huh. So, and you made a million bells. So, how did you? you I just made found a million someone? bells. Yeah. Um. Somebody uh, DM'd me on Discord, uh, saying because I had I had posted saying you know if anyone gets high prices because I didn't do that last week. Um. Last week I just like monitored my island prices and then you know made like forty bells per turnip more. So I ended up with like sixty thousand more than what I started with. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was fine. But then I was seeing, you know, like uh, actually Jules messaged me about six hours after I sold my turnips. And she's like, I don't know why, but Kalani says I should tell you that my turnips are almost 600 bells. What? Is that good? And I was like, oh my God, Jules. <laughs> I love you, but why? I just sold for 140. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing is that, um, is I think it, that's where you'll see the visiting other islands is like we've made it past the come see what my island looks like phase and now we're starting to get into you know what's your turnip prices uh maybe more of i hope more events will encourage people to to kind of visit their friends islands and stuff so i think that's the one thing in from what i remember from new leaf like there really wasn't a concrete reason out of like seeing what other people were doing and collecting the fruit you know, once you had all the fruit and once you've seen all your friends' islands, like, well, there's really no reason to go back uh, from what I remember. But hopefully in, in New Horizons, like, you will be able to have more reason to visit. And they are supporting with this with additional content, so maybe they will start to encourage more of that online interaction. Um, but the turnip prices have, for, people have, like, set up... Um, like systems. There's entire, like, Discord servers. I, there's There was a website that I was hmm. using that's, like has all of the turnip patterns, like, um, whatchamacallit, like data mined out of the game files. So if you like put in the price that you paid when you bought them and then your prices like starting uh, Monday morning and go like morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon, all the way through the week, it will eventually narrow it down and tell you exactly what your prices are going to be. Oh, And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I was using the first week. And then I was like, cheating <laughs> uh, uh, i mean I, I mean i guess it's not it's it feels to me like it's cheating i don't know it's still it gives you it gives you like a min and a max range okay so it's it'll say like your um your prices will be somewhere between this value and the other value so then you still have to make a decision but yeah okay well, I mean, besides the point, I think I think it's really cool that there people are starting to set up these uh, these online outside the game online communities to to encourage it. And some I saw on the Discord, people I think it was Octaso was saying something about people would place like, okay, here's here's what they expect in return for opening their island to you, like tips. And he had mm-hmm. said he made like two million in tips. So like, it's even you make bank by just. Stop just by having to... a turnip number like a high turnip price yeah yeah i i did i left a 100k bell tip on the island that i went to today because i, I was mean, just like oh my god i made over a million bells have some bells yeah <laughs> oh gosh if you're if you're walking out of there with like a two million dollar payday yeah you're gonna, you're gonna be like all right well here's a little something for your troubles 
and uh, which it is a big trouble because every time somebody arrives or leaves, everyone who's interacting with that island gets their game essentially put on pause. It's ridiculous. Oh, so it's like even like everybody like showing up. If you're already on an island and someone shows up, then it's like it shows you a loading screen as they fly in. And then when somebody leaves, it does the same thing. You have to walk, watch them like slow motion, walk out of the of the airport. Like it's super disruptive, not to mention if you're actually playing on the island, then you have to close whatever dialogues you're in. So you have to like close down your phone. If you were looking at anything, your phone in Animal Crossing is like where all your recipes are stored and stuff. Um, you have to close that down. You have to stop talking to any NPCs. You have to stop your transactions, like everything. So it's just, it's super disruptive and I don't really know why they do online play the way they do, but you know, it's Nintendo things. So <laughs> yeah, but. I, I think, uh, it's just, it's never, I think it's never seamless because it's not always connected. I think that's the core issue with animal crossing specifically is that you're always connecting and disconnecting you're never truly always online even though the system yeah, so is just always leave online. me always i was gonna say just leave me always online which mm -hmm. i know is something that we've you know railed against before not having an offline mode uh, but it's, it's uh, that that way of thinking is over now i think when we if you look back even when this when this, this show in its early days when diablo 3 first came out people were people were beside themselves because diablo was an always online game nowadays it's it's not really that it's more the deal. expectation it, yeah and i mean it's still frustrating when you go to play a game and, and it, it can't function offline that's completely different but like if there isn't always online mode while still allowing an offline mode that's totally cool like no one's going to be frustrated by that like you're literally using online to en to to engage with other folks like i mean you can even experience that with always online games uh on xbox or playstation if you don't have the subscription you're experiencing the offline mode you know you're not able to like engage with sometimes there's like little frilly things like uh you know messages on the floor from other players or or interacting and seeing other people's sort of experiences because of that always online connectivity right so having you know an animal crossing experience where maybe it felt it feels more connected because they would be always online like that would be really cool like because it's not like I just I think it's frustrating that you have to open up the island because I always forget to do it. And when mm. I go to search, like I'm I'm given the option of uh, of looking like at least they use the friends that you've already set up. You know, I, I think early on people were misunderstanding how the online was set up and that people thought there was another there was a separate online system. But I'm really happy that they do pull from your Nintendo Switch friend list. But they also give you the option to open up your island to any stranger without them being your friend through the Dodo code, right? So right, that's a yeah. really good implementation on their part. You could totally see them Nintendoing it and like having a separate Animal Crossing friend code and blah de blah de blah. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of steps forward for unfortunately a couple of like where they're just refusing to budge and I think most of the most of the yeah it's not really online. steps it's not really steps back it's just no. like it's they're just standing there not stepping at all <laughs> they're like a toddler who just really wants all the sunglasses and uh, <laughs> just no one wants to share and that's a no one's gonna get that because it's a story we talked about pre-show but you can picture it and it's nintendo uh eventually they join you on the walk but you have to wait for them to connect so it's yeah. just it's uh 
it's real fun. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And, um, you know, what was the bunny's name? Zipper? Zippy? Zipper. Yeah. Thank God. He is, he is gone. Until next year, at least. Yeah, until next year. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we move on to news? Yeah, I mean, uh, other than those two games, like, uh, we're not going to go over them now because I'm. Uh, these are where we get into the experiences where I'm still dabbling. But um, over the coming weeks, uh going to talk about Half-Life Alex. I picked that one up. Uh, I do have a VR setup, but it's very clunky, so it, it takes a while to set up and and I don't really have a lot of time, so... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big undertaking to set it up and take it down. <laughs> yeah, so I think I'll try to get some time with it, and, and then, you know, we'll talk about it here. But it's very much a, a VR game, so we'll talk about that. And then I did play Resident Evil 3. I'm probably going to save that for when I talk about it on Zamp, but I'll mention it here, and we'll talk about that. And then also I picked up Final Fantasy VII Remake, and uh, I never played Final Fantasy VII. I've tried. It's a very old-looking playstation one game i could not get through it uh but i'm really happy that i that i have the remake and considering um, in my experience like i in my opinion and how games are going to release over the coming you know four to five months i think we're looking at a pretty sort of dry summer in terms of releases so i'm i'm kind of happy to hold on to these and, and take my time with them so uh yeah. Uh, it, yeah, but... the the Final Fantasy 7 remake specifically. Originally I wasn't really excited about it. I wasn't kind of going to play it, but um Matt had played the original and so he was super excited about it. He ended up picking it up and then played it like literally from when it released all <sighs> the way through Sunday night and got I think he's like huh. You said it was a 40-hour game. I finished in 39. <laughs> I was like, Oof. "Oh my god, you played 39 hours in two and a half days (laughs) and and waited like i mean i love the guy don't get me wrong but waited 25 years or 23 years to play this you know again in this new format like i mean the first one i think came out in 97 so and i know we won't and even if you don't even count like the span of time between the first the the original and the remake if you even look at when the remake was announced and then the idea of this being part one of probably three uh it's it's really odd the way they've um they've kind of approached it and that they've split it into parts from the standpoint of like a traditional final fantasy game would be a a hundred hour rpg so now they've split it up and they've got you know part one being 30 hours is like i've not finished it but i do question of like okay are we going to get the rest of this? Because it feels like maybe they just got as far as they wanted to. And that's where they, that's where they're going to end it. Right. Cause it's not final fantasy seven remake part one. It's literally just final fantasy seven remake. Mm. That, that's my concern with it is that not that I'm questioning square Enix and their ability to finish things. I think they've always, they've always done their best to, to, to get done what they've set their mind to, but I'm kind of wondering like why we've, we've gotten this 30 hour experience when, when normally a final fantasy game would be this huge, huge epic experience. And this is a full price game. Uh, yes. My experience at least. Although I will say though, like, uh, I mean, everything that you're, you're saying is right. And I think that, you know, a, a 35, 40, 45 hour game, however long it takes you, um, we would pay full AAA prices for that amount of a campaign. We've paid that much for much less than, you know, 30 to 40, 45 hours, whatever. Um, so I'm and I'm not worried about them finishing the story either. 
Um, I think maybe they didn't call it part one or, you know, like give us a, a total number. Maybe they don't know. Maybe it will just be one and two. Maybe it'll be one, two, three. I don't know. Um, maybe they don't know. So I, I think that this will still get finished. I'm not really worried about that. But what I will say is the part. So I didn't actually play it myself, but obviously with Matt playing it all weekend, I, I did see a bunch of it. And <laughs> unless you were avoiding them, in which you probably you right. Would, it'd be a little <laughs> concerning if you didn't see any of it over all 30 the hours. Time, so, yeah. <laughs> Um, but the, like, I was really impressed because obviously we have the like OG PlayStation and mm -hmm. it played really well. Like the graphics looked awesome. It looks like it has a really interesting, compelling story. Mm -hmm. Again, that's coming from someone who did not play the first one. So it's all totally new to me and it's got a lot of kind of elements and I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. Oh, but it's probably literally from this. Like yeah. everything else that I've seen that is reminding like F Final Fantasy is reminding me of. I'm like, they probably actually just stole it from Final Fantasy. <laughs> I, I mean, that's like, I, I say what I said. It's just like kind of a gut feeling. And I think a lot of people are maybe feeling it. But it, but then you look at the product we've got and and I hope people get this far and don't just rage quit when I said what I said. But I still believe like 40 hour experience sounds great that's achievable no way do i want a 100 hour rpg right now uh or or i just haven't had time for a 100 hour rpg at all in, in the last you know few years like without sacrificing and being able to try out all my other favorite games that, that come yeah. out. so i'm stoked it's it's a 40 hour experience because i'm going to be able to finish that and yeah it looks great it plays great it sounds great uh the, the combat was actually really interesting the combat yeah. system because I didn't 100% understand what Bo was trying to explain last week. And I think um, it's really interesting because it's almost like you, um, it's mostly active combat. And then it has this like, almost like a spell book that you go into. Mm -hmm. And while you're in your spell book, everything isn't paused. It's just, it's like bullet time. It's like everything is really, really, really slow. And you can choose different spells in your spell book to then like instant cast and then so you have stuff that you're like kind of casting all the time like abilities that you just assign to like hotkeys essentially but if there's something different you want to do you can do this like slow down bullet time thing and so it's not turn-based like i think the old one was uh mm. which is not my favorite kind of combat especially if you're going to sandwich it into a very long very in-depth like campaign story the last thing i want to do is like be walking around for a really long time and you know talking to a whole bunch of npcs to then enter combat which basically feels like navigating a dialogue tree like not my jam yeah so the fact that this combat the graphics were so great it ran really well and it was more active combat but still from the sounds of it kept the the feel of the original and as far as I understand, you can choose to play like classic combat if you want to. Um, yeah, I looked a bit. So there was a conversation. The new hybrid system is is really, really cool. And I think they pulled it off well. Yeah, no, I, I from what I played, I really love the combat. It shines a lot stronger in, a, in, the, in the longer encounters. I think when you're playing against enemies that are um, easily dispatched you do feel a little button mashy but where you do get to a point and you're fighting like mini bosses and and larger you know amount of enemies you do feel a little more like the combat's a little more dynamic but um there was some conversation in discord about sort of 
that active feel. I do I do appreciate the active uh, feel in this game. I think um, turn based is fine, you know, uh, every once in a while. But I think an active combat system is hard to sort of nail from a design standpoint and make fun. Whereas a turn-based game, not saying it's easier, it's just I think it's it's your the designers in more control of what's going on, and I sometimes find turn-based combat to be a little slow. I remember I remember where that's where I struggled with Pokemon. It just yeah. it felt too slow. Whereas Pokemon playing... is the thing that came into my head too. Is I was yeah. just like I really I played as much Pokemon Sword and Shield as I did, like in spite of not because mm. of the combat system. Yeah, but there are games like Fire Emblem and uh, Persona 5 that have really been able to ratchet up that turn-based combat and make it really appealing. So, you know, you look at Pokemon, which has used the same formula for the last 20 years, and then you look at other games like Persona and Fire Emblem that have constantly tried to, you know, iterate on this and make turn-based more entertaining. Um, But the classic mode in Final Fantasy VII Remake, I looked it up, uh, I guess it is, it makes it turn-based in this, it doesn't make it turn-based, but it makes it static, whereas the movement of your character is all AI-driven, so the dodges and the movement and the connecting of the auto-attacks are all AI, so you're still, that's still, it's still active combat, you're just sort of injecting um, the abilities and spells, so as you build up um, sort of your ability points and your your little, uh, your little activity, uh, uh, your resources yeah your resources yeah i'm just trying to think of the, the the term but resources you can kind of you know use those resources for spells and abilities so it's uh i don't think it's really what obviously what people were looking for from a classic standpoint are definitely just like your character standing there and then you inputting the move and them doing the move and then the next guy goes that's not quite what it is it's more just like I don't want to have to move my character around. I haven't played it, but that's my understanding of reading it. It's mm. certainly more classic than than just the normal mode. But um, yeah, there's a lot in this game. I never played Final Fantasy VII, but I've obviously engaged with the with the franchise. I've seen you know the movies, the final even the Final Fantasy VII movie. The music is iconic to the point where I'm like watching the intro, and I don't I don't have much experience with the PS1 game, but I recognize the music. I even recognize the intro. Like I remember going to a friend's and we never had playstations, but I go go to a friend's place and he had the PlayStation one. He's like, Oh man, you got to see this game. It's like, it's on four discs. And then he puts the first disc in. and He shows me the intro to final fantasy seven. I'm like, but is Mario in it? No, (laughs) but still that music, it's a, it's iconic. It, it, and I'm really happy that they've done this. It feels the Final Fantasy VII remake feels like we're, you know, you know, you have like that dream where it's like, oh man, you're dreaming about like Super Mario 64 too. Like it's not a real thing. It's never going <laughs> to happen. It's just your brain coming up with some super cool video game. This is what this feels like. This is like, feels like you dreaming about Final Fantasy VII and then making a remake in, in a way that you would never anticipate a real company doing. Like who yeah. does this? It's crazy, but they've really done it. And that's where I'm like, I come back to where we started this conversation. I'm like, if they only do one part, this is still an achievement because they've really nailed. This is not a remaster. This is not a sort of like a taking the original sort of look and feel and story and dialogue and, and put it in a new engine. This is a brand new game inspired by very heavily inspired by final fantasy seven. So mm-hmm. 
it's really cool. I, I'm looking forward to getting more into it. I'm only in the second area, so I'm still still chugging along. So lots more to come then. Oh, yeah. uh, if if you guys do enjoy the content that we produce, then you can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to help support the show. Like Matthew did, who is our April patron. So Matthew, thank you so much for supporting the Gamers In. You can also join up with our Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord if you'd like to join the conversation that we've talked about so many times already in this episode that brings us to the news this week and uh one thing i'm super stoked about we finally got an announcement trailer for the uh teased sequel to man of medan which is the dark pictures anthology little hope and this one looks so creepy and it is right up my alley in terms of um like historical content, which Man of Medan also was. If you guys remember, Man of Medan was uh, the name of a ship that was involved in uh, World War II in their, in obviously in their fictional universe. Um, and so it all revolved around the ship. Well, Little Hope is, looks like it's kind of like walking the line. I'm not sure if it's going to be similar to Man of Medan, where it was kind of like, you had like a historical like prologue and then the rest of the story took place in modern times or it looks like there's a lot to be told in the Little Hope prologue. So I wonder if it's going to be more of a jumping back and forth between old times and new times. I don't know. Or if it'll just be like an extended prologue again. But either way, they're dealing with the Salem Witch Trials, which is just this era of history that I have always found super compelling and super interesting. So they're taking a town called Little Hope and then looking at the kind of fallout from the Salem Witch Trials. And uh, in modern times, they've got, you know, the band of teenagers with like maybe their older teacher. I don't know. It was kind of hard to tell. Maybe a mom. <laughs> I, I don't know. Grandma. Um, Mom or grandma, yeah, who are who are exploring the town uh, that's been abandoned in modern times. And, of course, um, horrific shenanigans ensue. Horrific shenanigans. Those words don't really seem to go together now that I've said them out I mean, loud. It's, it certainly <laughs> describes the idea behind these games in that there even until dawn is that's the really good explanation of uh, horrific shenanigans, because it's literally like it, that's what was happening. You know, there was just shenanigans and then shit was going down. Um, and I mean, I, I look, I watched this trailer and I was reminded that a lot of, a lot of people didn't like Man of Madame, but I really did. I think oh, we man, all did. Those people were crazy. I, I loved that game. I don't know why people did not like that game. I didn't read a lot of like criticism of it outside of just like, this game is dumb. And I'm like, but why? Like, no. people, <laughs> I thought I, it was great. And that's where I think I sometimes get you know i don't get cut caught up in it but i do i do see other people's opinions and really where it comes down to is is it's it's uh comment sections and sometimes uh you know reddit sometimes um but i but i look at little hope and, and i and now that we're getting more to it as opposed to like the very small teaser we got uh, at the end of man and Medan, this is this is very much more of an in-depth look at what this what this game's going to be about and i'm i'm like you i i really am fascinated uh by the uh the, you know the witch trials and all that f interesting stuff there was a whole i think a like a deep dive like a podcast the guy behind lore did a whole series about the Sa salem uh witch trials and 
it was very interesting to hear those those stories and and why they did that sort of thing and and this game is very much going to look at sort of what was happening during that time period but also take it to the next level where yeah really bad shit was happening but also it set up this really cursed town and it looks it looks to be it looks to be creepier than Man of Medan. Like, I mean, you know, abandoned does. Nazi ship. Like, yeah, that's one thing. But this is, this is like a abandoned village, and you know, witches and sorcery and like it's little potentially a little bit like closer to home. I think for anyone that grew up in a small town, there were mm. a lot of kind of settings that looked very familiar to me. And obviously, it's not set in the small town that I grew up in. But you very much get those vibes if you grew up in, you know, rural North America. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good explanation, too, because I was watching it. It's like something about this feels, feels familiar. familiar. Yes. Not that I've ever, like, come across, uh, you know, witches, but certainly um, certainly get that feel from, like, old abandoned buildings. And, and you get a lot of that. Like, when you're in a city, like, when, when something becomes decrepit or unused it's replaced it may take decades to replace it but eventually not 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 much stays vacant for long in a large city but but in a small town yeah shit can fall apart for a century and and still just sit there waiting so uh yeah i got that feel from it um i don't know if uh if you caught it but you know each one of these games so man of medan had um the main actor uh, the main guy that you recognized was um I forget his name already, but it was the guy from, he was in X-Men. Uh, Iceman, yeah, um, Sean Ashmore. Sean Ash- yeah, thank you, Sean Ashmore. And and I mean, I, I don't know if you recognize the actor, but in this, the one, there's that kid that popped out, and I'm trying to remember where he's from, but I recognize him. Um, but it was, I, I can't I can't even was remember he where he's from. from Bandersnatch, the, um, the Black Mirror interactive Netflix thing? Maybe uh i never watched that uh but he, but he, but he has that he has that look to him where he would have been in a in a black mirror episode i mean he was uh oh you know what it just came to me you you reminded me the the horror movie uh midsomner um he's in that it's, it's oh that, okay it, i yeah. haven't actually uh i haven't seen that yet but uh you should um, yeah it's um <laughs> don't, <laughs> it's a thing i know yeah, here's the thing uh my recommendation on midsomner is don't watch it alone in a hotel room on your you know third of five nights sort of being alone in a big city like that's how i watched it i wouldn't okay. recommend it that way uh you know uh definitely watch it with, you know uh, with the lights on and and with people around um but yeah he is he's in that one and i i immediately saw him and i was like okay i guess that's the that's the that's the actor that we're all gonna recognize (laughs) and if they get like one of those guys with each game i think that's a really smart way of doing it right like have your your sort of your anchor actor that people yeah your one recognizable character yeah Yeah. and then fill around there with you know obviously talented folks i don't think there was a single bad actor in in man of medan that from my point of view but there was mm-hmm. it was still nice to have that anchor of like oh, i know that guy he's really cool so um yeah summer 2020 no like they didn't delay it so to speak like th- this is still targeting a summer 2020 release so mm-hmm. i'm excited by that yeah yeah i'm really looking forward to playing it i hope uh, i can grab josh again so we can do because they're um continuing on their like co-op experience so you can still do it single player like until dawn was but you can uh, also do the co-op thing which i think probably added 
to my enjoyment of Man of Medan was was doing the over voice kind of playthrough with Josh and and feeling those like tense moments. So um, yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I hope a lot of people get behind it because I, I really like these um, the Dark Pictures anthology. I think they're doing a really good job and I, I want to see them continue to succeed because I, I find them to be very interesting stories with like supernatural elements, but also um, like it's it's this really cool. Horrific sci fi kind of mix that I just I, I really, really love. It's like they're they're pulling like science into the supernatural and it just the stuff that they talk about is just really compelling. So again, um, little hope that is coming this summer. I'm super excited about it. Uh, another thing that's really cool um, that's actually going to be available, uh, I guess, tomorrow through uh, May 5th is PlayStation's new Play at Home initiative. So what they've done is they have put the Uncharted collection and Journey available for free through digital downloads, uh, again, from tomorrow until um, May 5th. So you get to keep them. They're not mm -hmm. like this isn't like a Game Pass sort of situation. Somehow it's like literally if you don't own Uncharted, you can just go download the whole Nathan Drake collection. Um, and then Journey, I don't think I ever played. Was Journey the one where you were like the red cloak thing it, moving through the sand? Was that Journey? Yeah, that was Journey. Okay. Um, this was a uh, I think I feel like Journey came out before I had a PlayStation. Because yeah. for a while, I was just Nintendo, Xbox, Nintendo, Xbox. Mm -hmm. It was originally it until uh, the PlayStation 3, and the PlayStation 3 was like halfway through its its like life cycle when I actually picked it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it was originally a PS3 title, and I think it, it made the, the jump to PS4. So if you own it on PS3, you could download it for free. Uh, as a PS4 version, and yeah, it's a it's a fun little uh, little experience and, and a really cool way of. It's funny, like this play at home initiative is is to encourage people to obviously stay at home and and um, enjoy these experiences. But Journey is a really cool one because it it is a it has seamless online in that as you're playing it, it's very much a I wouldn't call it co op, but more of like a buddy experience in that people will randomly jump into your game and um you will play side by side like you're both doing the same things from what i recall you're not impacting each other's experience you're just sort of there so there was yeah like... i remember people talking about it as a really cool like connection experience mm -hmm. because it's like a lot of the things that you see in the game are other people yeah without like you say people can't come in and be dicks like no. they can't ruin your playthrough in any way worst case scenario they don't move and then as you progress they disappear and then someone else will will connect in and i think that's the core sort of the really cool thing about it is that as this play at home initiative it's there's been also this uh you know play apart together initiative that a lot of companies have been you know uh sort of working from and i think journey is is a very interesting sort of addition to that play apart together type thing where you are playing a single player experience but you are doing it alongside other folks uh mm -hmm. literally in game with you whereas with uncharted um it, i mean it's uncharted the first one is is rough uncharted 2 if you have not played any of the uncharted games uncharted 2 is a fantastic experience uh uncharted 3 has the multiplayer although i don't know if it's it's in the collection i can't remember i think they might have just kept it to the single player stuff um but two and three are really solid experiences. Uh, one is a bit of a slog to get through if you are 
just trying to do the whole whole trilogy but if you've never played an uncharted game certainly check out uncharted 2 it's it's uh it's probably one of the best ps3 games you could play for sure uh yeah so again if you are interested in that you can just uh log into your playstation from april 15th through may 5th uh may 5th maybe longer who knows <laughs> yeah yeah but uh that's the the first offerings anyways in playstation's uh play at home initiative also, there is new uh, XCOM stuff, Ryan, coming out. Do you want to just, I'm going to let you take this away yeah. because XCOM is totally your jam. So uh, this was a, a fun surprise today. Uh, I looked at it, so I'm checking Twitter just kind of randomly, and then this random XCOM game gets announced. So, and this is kind of wild also because whenever, you know, XCOMs come out, there's always been like a kid born. So I, I played a lot of XCOM too, uh, I think when when i can't remember it was i think it was when caden was born when XCOM when a kid came yeah it was either <laughs> it was either caden or abigail but anyways um that's besides the point so xcom chimera uh squad is a standalone sort of X, xcom 2 follow-up in that they've done something similar to what they did with xcom 2 where they pick sort of a canon ending and now they've they've continued the story so Honestly, I was anticipating an XCOM 3 at some point in the near future, but it looks like they're going to have this standalone experience that will kind of kick off the future, possibly, of the XCOM franchise. So the really cool part about this um, is that it's it feels to me like it's more story-based, and a lot of people might be frustrated by this, but they've got... Uh, your crew is sort of set. So the thing about XCOM is that you could kind of set up your own crew, but it's yeah. very much looking like in this game that you're going to have a set sort of character squad. And to me, like, I've actually really enjoyed the story of XCOM. So I'm really interested to see what they can do by by telling the story through, you know, uh, custom, or specific characters as well. Whereas they usually, your squad were just random faceless folks, right? So this feels more like it could be similar to Fire Emblem, where when someone dies, like, you're losing a character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited by that. Uh, also, if you watch the game reveal trailer, like one of the aliens very much sounds like Morden Solis from Mass Effect. So, oh, yeah, that's another win. Yeah. Like it's definitely like a, you know, a, you know, a chirpy Bit alien. Bit of a nod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Science, science guy type thing. And uh, if you pre-order it, it's 50% off bef- uh, until May 1st. So the game comes out April 24th in just, a, you know, 10 days. And uh you can even wait until reviews get posted because you have until May 1st to purchase it at um, $10 US. So it's it's even like, not only is it coming out next week, it's also a budget title and uh, it's more XCOM. Honestly, I, I thought we were going to have to wait longer for more XCOM. I figured we'd have to wait until next gen, but it's really cool that they're doing this because the trailer really makes it look like uh, you're going to get that XCOM feel, but also, you know, um, there's also aliens on your squad, which is for the first time in these new XCOM games, you'll get to play as the aliens on your team. So it's more of a, you know, um, it's going to be it's going to be different from what we're used to. But I'm really looking forward to it. This was and it goes back to some of the comments I'm making. It's like, do we even know if like games are going to get delayed? Like, are we going to have anything to play this summer? And then sure enough, this this got announced today. And I was like, oh, what a what a in terms of video game releases, what a ray of sunshine. Like we're getting announcements of games coming out sooner rather than later. So it's it's a nice touch for sure. 
And then we have one more quick story for you guys tonight. The ESRB has basically uh, posted what their warning label is going to look like. So now we are going to be getting uh, alongside the ratings for games. So the E for everyone's and T for teens of the world are now also going to have a little icon slash warning on them that say uh, like in-game purchases or, you know, loot box mechanics, like all that stuff is going to be available right on the warning label. So mm. it it will actually say like, random items or you know in-game purchases just straight up in-game purchases so um it's you know one more step towards more uh regulation of loot boxes in games which uh i think is good yeah um i mean the the esrb stuff has always been there for for parents you know people who uh i don't even want to say parents but just people who are buying video games that don't fully understand the content of a video game it's like going to see a movie and not really understanding like can i bring my kid to this it's like well this is a good tool to understand if i can bring my kid to this movie without spoiling the entire thing for my for myself and i mean i look at the esrb obviously i don't pay attention to it anymore and there was a there was a time even when i was younger like i stopped paying attention to it because i knew what i wanted to the content i wanted to engage in and what was suitable um but if you look at this it's like i think this serves two purposes you're also going to get this information out to folks that are actively trying to avoid in-game purchases that include random items right so this is a i think this is a win across the board and is a good first step to avoid regulation but also maybe you know uh put games front and center of like we have in-game random items and uh to you know it kind of but puts them on the spot. It yeah. does. Yeah. Like you, you can't, and that's always been the thing is like, people don't really hide, you know, the random loot box thing, but they certainly don't lead with it. You yeah. Know, they not don't something... advertise it really. <laughs> yeah. So this is effectively them having to advertise that they have these surprise mechanics, right? Uh, you know, loot boxes and, and the likes. So I think it's good for both fronts, for gamers, who, for educated gamers who want to avoid these type of practices, but also for, you know, uh people going in and buying these games that that may not you know understand the medium like some parents or grandparents stuff like that Mm -hmm. um no not there's anything wrong with that but i think it's important for this stuff to be surfaced because it's it's really it's it would be really shitty to get a to to go and buy a game where you think like oh they're getting the whole thing but then to find out that you're you know, you're trying to do a good thing for your for your kid and you don't really understand what's in the game and suddenly now you you've got that tool, you know, at your fingertips. So I think this is this is really this is a step in the right direction for sure. Yep, agreed. Uh so that's pretty much gonna do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you want to join the conversation over at bit.ly slash TGI Discord, we very much encourage you to do that you can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com which is where you can find our show notes or you can follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn at joss plays ryan is at our murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in thanks for staying at the gamers in remember tune in next week bye everybody bye everyone Here we go.